This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Night two of the NFL Combine is in the books. The offensive linemen and the running backs did their testing, their on-field drills, and it was an interesting night with a lot of unique things to talk about in terms of the running back prospects in particular, but I will talk and share some thoughts about the offensive line as well because it is a very, very impressive offensive line group. But let's start right at the running back. I mean, these podcasts, again, are instant reactions. It just finished moments ago. So, you know, immediate takes on it. The change of direction drills haven't even been publicized yet for the running back. So there's a lot more still to digest with the combine. But in terms of their 40s, some of their jump stuff, and then the on-field stuff, some instant reactions right out of the bat. And, you know, let's just kind of go through the the big guys. I think, you know, in terms of the biggest winners from the running back position, you know, it would be hard-pressed to, to say Jonathan Taylor wasn't the most impressive. You know, I mean, we knew he was going to test out well. We knew he was going to run fast. I thought he was probably going to be in that 4.42 to 4.45 range. I mean, for him to run a 4.39 is just is remarkable. It, you know, it truly is remarkable to see him run that you know, a a 36 inch vertical jump as well, a 10, uh, three broad jump. So Jonathan Taylor checked boxes off in terms of the on-field drills. I think, I think he looked a little bit, you know, looked like he labored a little bit through some of the past catching drills and that's who Jonathan Taylor is. So I don't think the combine really changed the mindset of, of anybody in terms of Jonathan Taylor, but just to have confirmation that he does have that type of speed, that type of explosion, I think helps. I don't think it means he's a lock for the first round. I truly don't. I still think NFL teams might look at him and not see a guy who's going to be a three down guy. They're going to be concerned about the, the workload and how much, you know, carries he had at the collegiate level and yeah I understand that in the NFL these teams want to do one contract but if you take Jonathan Taylor in the first round you're basically saying okay five years and then you can't imagine them keeping him any longer than that five years plus what he had in college you know so are you okay with that like are you a team that's willing to basically invest in a first round pick and say well we're going to get a really good running back hopefully for five years but but not a running back that's even going to make a huge impact in the pass game. I'm not sure. I think he goes in round two. I think there's a whole bunch of guys that go in round two. So I think Jonathan Taylor did what we expected to do, but it was still fun nonetheless to see him put that number and four three nine official might've even been a little bit better than I think we expected. Another guy, DeAndre Swift, a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks. I felt like people were really trying to find flaws in DeAndre Swift's game. And one flaw that people kept coming back to was they questioned his athleticism and his long speed. But I mean, I think DeAndre Swift answered that with a 4.48 40-yard dash, a 35.5 vertical jump, a 10-1 broad jump. You know, this guy is very smooth. Smooth and fluid, I think, are the two best adjectives to describe DeAndre Swift. You saw it in the past catching drills. You saw it on the on-field workout. You know, his movement skills, his pass catching skills, everything he does is very natural. And then for him, I thought he might have been in that, you know, Josh Jacobs range. So it might have been a four, five, two, four, four, 
four five four. So for him to to sub four five and lock in at four point four eight, I think DeAndre Swift helped himself out a little bit tonight. So that he looked good in terms of the forty, his jumps, and then his on field work yet. Unfortunately, we did not get an opportunity to see J.K. Dobbins. He chose not to work out, which is a little bit of a buzzkill because I would like to get some official numbers on him. His weight was had been down the other day when they did the measurements, so I thought he would have tested pretty well. So I'm actually surprised he didn't run. So those are the three big guys. After that, I think you get into the next tier guys, and that's Cam Akers and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Cam Akers, remember, he was 217 when he weighed in the other day. He had an official 40 time of 4.47. That is an outstanding number. Again, not all that surprising. We knew Cam Akers was a top-notch athlete, 35.5 on the vert, 10-2 on the broad. So I think Cam Akers basically checked boxes off in terms of what we thought he was going to be in terms of his overall athleticism uh, and the talent he was going to show in this. I think he's very much in the mix with the other guys in day two. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Listen, I understand people get a little upset. They see the official 40 time of 4.6. But that's what that's what anyone who watched him and was honest about it, that's kind of what people should have thought he was going to run. I thought best case scenario 4.55, but I pretty much thought 4.6 was right around what he was going to do, and that's what it was. But you watch him on the drills. Don't worry about Clyde Edwards Hilaire because of 4.6. It, it, it's going to mean nothing in terms of what NFL teams think of him, in terms of his upside, his fluidity, his movement skills, his compact frame, his ability to run through contact, his pass catching abilities. Very good in all of that. So don't overthink Clyde Edwards Hilaire because of that one number. That's not who he is on tape. So don't worry about it. So those are the five guys that I think are all going to be gone by the end of round two. Maybe all five go in round two. Maybe one sneaks into round one. I'm not sure. But I think those are the clear five in this draft class. I will say, though, I do think you're going to see some movement in people's rankings after that initial five. Because you have been seeing a lot of Zach Moss either in people's top five or right after as number six. And and Zach Moss definitely struggled a little bit today. I mean, his runs were his official run ended up being four six five. He had one that was four seven two, another that was four seven, and I guess his official was was four six five. Uh, thirty three on the broad. Uh, I mean, thirty three on the vert didn't do the broad jump. There was a there was some words that he uh, injured himself a little bit and then tried to push through it. So maybe that was part of the the poor testing results. But the truth of the matter is, is I never really thought he was going to be someone that tested very well. That's not who his game is. That's not what his game is predicated on. His game is predicated on power and physicality and toughness and some short area quickness and burst. And you're not going to see that at the combine. So yeah, I, I'm not as high on him as some people in the industry. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, is I don't really think anything he did today was all that different than what I expected when it came to Zach Moss. So yeah, I think maybe people were hoping for a little bit better, but at the same time, I don't think uh, it was all that surprising what happened here for Zach Moss. I think maybe it pushes him maybe, maybe out of the top 100 mix because this is such a great class in general, not just the running back position and just the wide receivers and the O-line and all that, that maybe he's more of a day three guy, which is what I thought about him. But I do think, you know, today was definitely – you know, not. I think people wanted to see a little bit more juice out of him, even though it really wasn't his game. So, you know, those are a couple things. And then after that, some other guys that stood out, and one of them I'm really excited about, and that's AJ Dillon. 
A.J. Dillon is a guy that a lot of people seem to just want to point out what he can't do and his flaws and his concerns. But why we need to emphasize a little bit more what he can do. He's been locked in as my number six running back. He's not moving off of that. I love the top five guys ahead of him, the guys that we talked about already. But then I love A.J. Dillon as well. He tested out. He's 247 pounds, six feet tall, and he jumped 41-inch vert, 10-11 broad, and then he went out and ran a 4.53 40-yard dash. Besides his numbers at his size, probably were the most impressive of any running back, even more impressive than Jonathan Taylor or right there with Jonathan Taylor. So A.J. Dillon was a big winner. Listen, his pass catching in the on-field activity wasn't anything that great, but that's not who he is. Know who he was. Know who he is on Twitter. I was having a conversation with Sigmund Bloom and a handful of other guys, and we were talking about maybe some ideal landing spots. And people brought up some good places. I said Tennessee if Derrick Henry leaves. And, you know – I found out tonight that uh, Rabel's son, you know, knows AJ Dillon from Boston College, so maybe there's a little bit of a connection there. If Derrick Henry leaves, would AJ AJ Dillon be a guy? You know, I mentioned Buffalo as a compliment to Devin Singletary, and in the snow up there, what about a power runner like AJ Dillon to help close out games? You know, maybe Carolina wants a compliment, a little bit of a compliment to pair with Christian McCaffrey to ease up on his workload. I think that would be an interesting scenario. And you can go through and find a handful of other ones. But I think A.J. Dillon, you know, could he sneak into the back end of the top 100? Sure, especially after this athletic testing. I think he's probably an early date for a guy. Maybe he sneaks into the back of the top 100, and I'd be all for that. But I think he went out today, and I think people were concerned about him running like really slow, and he didn't. He he checked off a lot of boxes. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list for a reason, and we saw it here today. So impressed with him. Another guy that really impressed was Anthony McFarland, another favorite of mine. He ran a 4.4440. So impressive. He didn't do very well in the jumps, which is kind of surprising. Usually those go a little bit hand-in-hand in, hand in terms of having an explosion. He only jumped 295 in terms of the vert and 9.8 in the broad, but his 40-yard dash time was really impressive at 4.44. This past year, he was a little bit banged up, uh, but 20, his 2018 film, I thought was outstanding. He's going to stay inside my top 10 running backs for sure. Uh, his teammate, Javon Leak, he definitely has to be classified as a little bit of a combine loser. I thought he had real speed when I watched him. And when I watched his 2019 film, I saw a lot of Anthony McFarlane in 2018. So it was stunning to me to see him uh, run a four six five four seven five and then his official be a four six five and then also uh, his vertical jump was only twenty eight point five and a nine four broad that was really really uh, surprising uh, with Javon Leak so interested to see you know go back on the film on him because that was not what I saw when I watched him on film. Uh, so he's the guy I want to circle back to. Savannah Ahmed, I knew, you know, I thought he was going to be a little bit of a burner too. There were people thinking maybe 4-4. Four, four. I thought maybe in that 4-4-5 four, four, to 4-5 four, range, he ran a 4-6-2. Uh, so that was a little bit of a disappointment for Ahmed in terms of a guy who's supposed to be a speed guy. Uh, Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State, he impressed with a 4.42 uh, 40-yard dash. I think I'm Sorry, official was a 4.41 with a good vertical jump and a good broad jump. So I think he's a guy in the mix in that early day three, a speed component that he offers. Uh, and Rico Daddle is another guy that I was impressed with because we're talking about a guy who's 210 pens, 
210 pounds, but he's a thick, solid build, runs hard, and he ran a 454 official 40 time with a 38 inch vert and a 10.7 broad. So I thought he was really impressive here. Uh, I think those are the guys that probably stood out the most. Uh, though Joshua Kelly, uh, had himself a solid day too. He ran a 4.49 official and then I thought he looked really good in the on-field drills. And that's not that surprise, you know, when it comes to Joshua Kelly. I think he's got that straight lane burst. I think he's got some pass catching skills. So I think it was interesting to see him have a productive day there as well. And then like Michael P. Ryan, I think checked some boxes, 4.62, but that's about right for in terms of his speed. Looked good in the, the on-field drills. Uh, so a bunch of guys, I think, held firm uh, in terms of what they were supposed to do. So those are kind of my thoughts on the running backs. Obviously, when we do a full recap next week, uh, we'll kind of break down the running backs a little bit more. I'm interested to see some of those change of direction drills. I have not gotten results yet for the pre-cone and the 20-yard shuttle. Some of these guys that may be tested out poor in, in some areas, did they improve their overall athletic profile? Uh, in terms of, you know, after we get those scores in. So that'll be interesting to kind of see. But I think it was one of those days that we learned out a few things, but we really just confirmed a lot. We confirmed A.J. Dillon's athleticism that I thought he had. We confirmed Jonathan Taylor's freakish athleticism. We confirmed that DeAndre Swift is is better athlete than I think someone to give him credit for. We confirmed that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is who he is, but that doesn't diminish the type of player he is. You know, it proved that... Anthony McFarland had that breakaway speed. It's surprised in some areas, like a guy like Javon League not having, or Savan Ahmed not having that breakaway speed. You know, Darrington Evans having that. So, so I think, I don't think anything was dramatic that stood out. I think it was a lot of things that we thought. I think a couple of the guys I just talked about ran slower than I expected. But all in all, I think, you know, it was mostly positive results, mostly confirmation. I don't think anything jumped out off the page at the running back position, you know, similar to the wide receiver when you know Chase Claypool really surprised us and Denzel Mims surprised us and Justin Jefferson surprised us. I don't think there was really any surprises like that when it came to the running back position. I, I just don't. I think most of the guys uh, were were pretty much what we thought of them. A couple maybe tested out a little bit better, and then obviously a couple names I mentioned tested out maybe a little bit worse than than overall what I thought them to do. So if we take this to the, uh, the offensive line for a few minutes, listen, I understand that a lot of what we do here is based on the skill players, but even as fantasy players, you want to be familiar with the offensive line prospects. If your t- favorite team drafts them, the impact it could have, and if you own running backs in dynasty league or quarterbacks or, off- or you know, have invested in an offense in terms of fantasy, you want to familiarize yourself with these offensive line prospects. You want to know what it could potentially mean and the impact they could pen- potentially have in fantasy. And then obviously just, you know, in terms of fandom of whatever team they go to this this group of offensive linemen is the best and the most athletic i have ever seen in all my years of of covering uh the nfl draft and being a fan of the nfl draft from the first group i'll break it down like that from the first group of offensive linemen the guys that i thought stood out were nick harris out of washington looked really smooth in the on-field drills he's a guy that had Basically, since the season ended, you know, we heard a lot of negative stuff about him, but he's an ideal round four pick on a team that wants to be a lot of zone-based runs, get the center out on the move pulling. I think Nick Harris can be that guy that could potentially get out on the move and be an impactful player. I thought he, I thought he looked really good today uh, in the on-field drills. So he was a guy that intrigued me 
for sure today. He ran an official 5.140 uh, time, so that was a really good 40 time, and he looked really good uh, in the on-field drills. Another guy that I thought looked really good was Urza Cleveland out of Boise State. He's probably now in the mix as an early second-round pick. If you don't get a guy in round one, you know, Cleveland tested out as a top-level athlete with a 4.9340, really good scores in, in the 10-yard uh, marker. You know, overall, his jumps, Cleveland was really impressive and looked really, really smooth running the drill. So Urza Cleveland out of Boise State, I thought was a winner. Uh, Jack Driscoll out of Auburn, I thought showed better athleticism than I expected. And then Matt Hennessy out of Temple. I think he's a round three, maybe sleeks into round four because of the position, but probably a round three uh, pick where quickly could emerge to be a starting center. I thought he looked good uh, in that regards. Then if you take it to the second uh, set of O-line guys, I mean, this is really was where you saw guys that athletically were just beyond impressive. Oh, and I should say, you know, from the first group, I don't want to lose sight of him. Uh, from the first group, uh, Makai Becton, six foot seven, three hundred and sixty-four pounds, and this guy ran an official five point one zero. He ended up getting injured in one of the early on-field drills, so we didn't get to see him too much on the on-field drills. But I mean, a man that size to be able to move at that is just six seven, three sixty-five. And he ran a 5.1. So that was the other guy I wanted to make note of from the first group that really, really stood out. So if we take this to the second group of guys, this was just one after another of guys that stood out. A lot of the other top offensive line prospects were in this group. I mean, Tristan Wirfs just absolutely blew up the combine. His complete athletic profile is going to just be insane. At 6'5", 320, he ran a 4.85 with a 1.69 10-yard split. He had a 36.5 vert jump, a 10-1 broad jump. I mean, this guy just checked every box possible. I think he's answered the questions. This guy is not a guard. Maybe he can be a great guard if he happens to fail at a tackle, but he's going to get every opportunity to, to play at tackle. I mean, his athleticism, his movement skills, his strength, his power. This guy is going to get every opportunity to be an offensive tackle and could be a top 10 pick in this draft class. Jedrick uh, uh, Wills Jr. out of Alabama, 6'4", 312. He ran an official 5.05 time with a 1.83 split. That was very impressive with a 34.5 vert and a 9.5 broad. He looked fantastic, smooth in drills. He's another guy in the mix to be the t- a top 10 offensive tackle, maybe even as high as the Giants at four. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, 6'5", 315. He ran a 5.22, uh, 40 with a 1.83 10-yard split. He looked really good. Great length on him as well. Thomas is in the mix. I think he's probably in the top 15 mix, but he could be very much in the mix with any of these guys in terms of the top tackle in this draft class. I thought uh, Cesar Ruiz was impressive, uh, the center. Uh, so he was another guy out of Michigan, 5.0840, 1.77, 10-yard split. Looked really good in the drills. Uh, and Matt Pert out of Connecticut, you know, very developmental style, but round three, round four, six, six, three, eighteen. He ran a 5.0640, a 1.77, 10 yard split and looked really quick moving in the drill. So he was another guy that stood out, uh, from the offensive lineman as well. This is as talented, like I said, a class as I've ever seen. So it was really something to watch these guys in the drills and see how they performed. You know, if you didn't get an opportunity, go back and try to watch 
some of these offensive linemen and just how good they looked in these on the field drills. There was this one after another and under the radar guy that uh, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about on air was Danny Pinter at a ball state. He ran a 4.9140 at 6'4", 306 pounds with a 1.73 10-yard split, uh, former tight end background. So that kind of you know makes some sense that he was really moving. So just so many athletic offensive linemen up and down at the combine in terms of impressive 40s, impressive 10-yard splits, impressive jumps, and then their movement skills, if you really watch them on the football field doing the on-field activities, was really, really impressive. So those are my instant reactions from day two of the NFL Combine, guys. Hopefully you're enjoying this. If you've been following me on Twitter, I've been rapid fire. Every single guy that participates in the Combine, whether they run the 40 or not, I'm I'm tweeting out every 40 result. I'm tweeting out my thoughts on every single player in terms of draft projections, how they win, strengths. and I've gained, I've gained a lot of new followers over the last 24 hours, guys. Greatly appreciate it. I love interacting with you. I'm at times it takes me a little while, but I go back and look at every single notification and try to re- answer every single question if possible. Uh, sometimes it just takes me a little bit of time, especially if the forties are running. Uh, it's hard for me to immediately respond, but I try to go back. So if you're enjoying the content that I'm putting out on Twitter, uh, throughout the combine, if you're enjoying the instant reaction podcast, please get over to the website. SSfootball.com is the quickest way to get there. Check out our premium notebooks, uh, for $9.99, you get access to four notebooks. You get the scouting notebook, which has in-detail scouting reports with strengths, developmental areas, functional areas, NFL roles, how they win, fantasy spins. Uh, I think it's all close to 100 guys in that, plus another 25 or 30 that did not declare the Travis Etienne's the Chubba Hubbard's of the world. You get the rankings notebook, which has all our rankings, our draft eligible rankings, our tiers. I've been updating them throughout the combine, our Devi rankings, our dynasty rookie rankings. And then in late March to mid-April, you get two more notebooks. You get the 2020 freshman notebook, which will have uh, Matt's thoughts on many of the incoming freshmen to familiarize yourself with for Debbie Leagues, for down the line and Dynasty Rookie Leagues, or just if you're a fan of the college football game. And then you get the draft projections notebook, which has tabs on every single player, uh, every single position, offense and defense, uh, some notes in terms of how they win, some developmental areas and concerns, all their combine metrics, and I place them in the order of which I think they are going to come off the board on draft night based on everything I'm hearing. It has nothing to do with my own bias and personal beliefs. It's everything I am hearing from all the great resources out there. Uh, so I rank them in, in terms of the order. I expect them to come off the board. I have a separate tab for my projected top 32 picks, projected tab for the top 100 picks, and then a projected tab trying to guess every single pick in the NFL draft. So guys, for $9.99, you get a lot of material. It is the best way to support the show. We put all of, of the profits we get right back into the show uh, to try to continue to do what we're doing. I will be live tweeting throughout the rest of the combine, even though the offensive players are now done. So hopefully you follow me on Twitter, interact with me there. And then I will be back doing uh, instant uh, recap pods as well. And then we'll do a big combine over uh, recap next week uh, where we'll really kind of digest everything that we saw from the offensive perspective, uh, you know, putting it all together now to make some sense of the quarterbacks, the running backs, the tight ends and the wide receivers, uh, you know, after we get a little bit of time to digest it all. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.